0: Right now my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style/murderish. That's armoire.style A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash murderish to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. The opinions expressed in this episode do not necessarily reflect those of the Murderish podcast. Sensitive topics are discussed. Listener discretion is advised. This episode contains details about domestic violence and may be triggering to some people. Listener discretion is advised. When feelings for another person run deep, people are often inclined to see the best in that person. It's not uncommon for unsettling behavior to be excused rather than seeing it as a warning sign and acting on it. But this idealism can put somebody in harm's way without them realizing it until it's much too late. When Nicole Montalvo went missing in October of 2019, investigators quickly learned that a lot was going on in her personal life. And sadly, her circumstances were not unusual. This is Jamie, and you're listening to Murderish. Join me as I walk you through the case involving Nicole Montalvo. This case takes us to St. Cloud, Florida. The city is considered a suburb of Orlando and is part of Osceola County. Due to its low cost of living and diverse population, St. Cloud is considered an ideal place to call home. Being that the city is located in central Florida, it's over an hour from the nearest beach, but residents enjoy the outdoors at a nearby lakefront park. St. Cloud's close proximity to Orlando's Walt Disney World equates to an abundance of local job opportunities in the area. 33-year-old Nicole Montalvo worked as a restaurant server in St. Cloud, commuting to the Orlando area where tourism can lead to bigger tips. Nicole Yvonne Montalvo was born in Orlando, Florida on October 21, 1986 to parents Edward and Elaine. Nicole had a twin brother, Eddie, An older sister, Christine, and a younger brother, Steven. Very few details about Nicole's childhood have been mentioned publicly. She was a 2004 graduate of St. Cloud High School and stood out to classmates because of her infectious smile, distinctive laugh, and outgoing personality. Like so many Floridians, Nicole loved the beach and often enjoyed rollerblading on the trail at Lakefront Park. Religion was also crucially important to her She was a proud member of St. Thomas Aquinas Catholic Church. Shortly after high school, Nicole began working as a restaurant server, first at Sonny's Barbecue in Orlando and later at Broadway Pizza Bar in downtown Kissimmee. She adored her co-workers at both jobs and often spent time with them outside of work. Like countless other working-class Americans, Nicole enjoyed a simple life living paycheck to paycheck. In the early 2010s, she met and later married Christopher Otero-Rivera, an Orlando native from a deeply troubled family. It was at this time when Nicole's life got a lot less simple. When Chris Otero-Rivera's parents Angel and Wanda got married, Angel already had a son, Gilio, from a previous relationship. Angel and Wanda went on to have two sons together, Chris and Nicholas. Wanda treated her stepson, Gilio, as one of her own, and all three boys got along well. It was their father who was a constant source of conflict. Angel Rivera owned an automotive repair business, Experts Auto Tech, which earned a modest income to support his blended family. As his three boys got older, Angel brought them into the family business. But any opportunity this may have afforded them was sabotaged by Angel's violent temper. In a special report by the South Florida Sun-Sentinel, it was revealed that Angel had a history of domestic violence involving several family members and dating back to the 1990s. He was also charged with child molestation in early 2005. At that time, a foster child was placed in the Rivera family's care. According to an affidavit cited by the Sun-Sentinel, The child's mother specifically asked the Department of Children and Families to place her daughter with Angel Rivera, saying he was a good man due to him being a church member. The young girl later alleged that between March and May of 2005, Angel had taken lewd photographs of her and molested her regularly at his auto shop. The abuse went unreported until a year later. According to the Sun-Sentinel, Angel had threatened to kill her and her family if she told anyone. While Angel was initially arrested, the charges were later dropped. There was also a potential scam run by both Angel and his wife Wanda. The couple positioned themselves in the St. Cloud community as active members of the Cornerstone Family Church, often leading youth activities. With their connection to the church intact, the Riveras claimed to spearhead several nonprofit organizations. Saying their goal was to raise money for South American mission trips. An investigation traced these so called nonprofits to a shed on the Rivera's property. Nathan Blackwell, St. Cloud's mayor and Cornerstone's pastor, told the Sun Sentinel in 2019 Over the last 12 years, Mr. Rivera has not participated in any mission trip sponsored by our church. He has never served on our staff, and he is not a missionary for Cornerstone. This farce highlighted Angel's intention of painting a respectable image of himself to neighbors, but his family saw right through this. They knew exactly who Angel was, and the reality wasn't pretty. Several other offenses occurred between Angel and his family members, and Wanda often stepped in as peacemaker. At age 17, Angel's oldest son, Gilio, reached his breaking point. And moved out of the family home to escape his father's abuse. According to the Sun Sentinel, in 2003, Angel physically assaulted Gilio when he came to pick up a paycheck at the auto shop. Angel was arrested at the time, but Gilio later dropped the assault charges at the urging of his stepmother. He remained relatively estranged from his family from that point forward, despite a handful of attempts at reconciliation. Although Wanda had been able to de-escalate some of the violence that happened within her own household, there were other incidents of violence that she couldn't moderate. Shortly after Chris Otero Rivera and Nicole Montavo got married, the couple moved into a trailer on Angel and Wanda's five-acre property on Hickson Avenue in St. Cloud. In 2011, Nicole gave birth to their son, Elijah. The couple didn't have much money, but Nicole made every effort to be an exemplary mother. She juggled being a new mom and working as a server in order to help pay the bills. It was a stressful time for the new parents, and Chris was also dealing with constant conflicts with his father. During this tense period, Nicole leaned on her mother-in-law, Wanda, who was a confidant to her and a supportive grandmother to baby Elijah. Growing up around a father with a volatile temper evidently had taken a toll on Chris. This became apparent to Nicole when Elijah was just a toddler. Chris always had a bit of a temper, but under the pressures of fatherhood, his angry outbursts progressed to physical violence. Court records indicate a laundry list of domestic abuse charges filed by Nicole against Chris. One incident in June of 2016 was so terrifying, Nicole filed a restraining order. According to the Orlando Sentinel, Nicole wrote in the petition, "'Was out with my sister-in-law for the day with my five-year-old son. When I came home, my husband was drinking. He got mad over something dumb, then got in my face, smacked me across my face. I started to bleed. This isn't the first time it happened, but this is the worst time.'" The terrifying assault escalated, with Chris dragging Nicole by her hair toward their bedroom, where he continued to beat her. Photos that accompanied the court filing showed Nicole with visible bruises and her neck in a brace. Nicole's loved ones questioned why she didn't leave Chris right then and there, but victims of domestic violence often have great difficulty leaving their abuser. According to the website for the National Domestic Violence Hotline, 76 percent of American women aged 25 to 34 were previously victimized by the same offender. The fear, manipulation, and degradation that comes with an abusive relationship can prevent someone from getting out or seeking any kind of help. Nicole eventually dropped the restraining order and went back to Chris. Then, in March of 2017, another major conflict arose between Chris and his father. The incident started when Angel pulled a plug leading to the trailer occupied by Chris, Nicole, and their young son. A heated argument followed, with Angel holding a knife to his son's torso and threatening to stab him. The son, Sentinel cited an arrest affidavit for Angel, who told deputies he was tired of them not paying for anything around the house. A judge ordered a no-contact order between the father and son, but charges were once again dropped. Nicole remained with Chris until the fall of 2018, when she took Elijah and briefly moved back in with her parents. Away from the drama of the Riveras and her aggressive husband, Nicole could devote her attention to bonding with her son. It was a momentary break from all the chaos that previously surrounded her. It was clear to everyone who knew Nicole that she loved being a mom and wanted Elijah to have the best childhood possible. She eventually took on a second job and soon moved them into an apartment. While Nicole and Chris led separate lives at that point, things with Chris were far from over. With shoes, it's usually style or comfort, not both. I could literally wear my Rothy's flats to Disneyland all day long and look like a stylish queen doing it. I recently got a pair of Rothy's flats called The Driver, and it feels like my feet are getting a massage as I walk in them. Seriously, I got them in a bold green juniper color, which makes a real statement. Shoe shopping online can be a crapshoot, and I often end up getting the wrong size. Rothy's fit me like a glove, and there was no wearing in period. They were ready to wear without band-aids immediately. You may have heard of Rothie's The Point and The Flat but their lesser-known sneakers, loafers, and ankle boots are also really cozy and on-trend. People Magazine has even recognized Rothy's The Point as being the best flat for their first-ever Style Awards in 2021. Busy moms will love Rothy's, not only because they look and feel so good on your feet, but also because you can just toss them into the washing machine when they're dirty. I wore my Rothy's to an all-day event recently and paired them with a midi skirt and t-shirt. At the end of the day, my feet were not throbbing like they usually do with other shoes. Not to mention, they were the exclamation point to what otherwise would have been just a so-so outfit. Solve the case of your next favorite spring shoe with Rothy's. Plus, get $20 off your first purchase at rothys.com murderish. That's $20 off at R O slash murderish. It's time to start using products that your skin will love. My go-to has become Thrive Cosmetics not only because their Defying Gravity Eye Lifting Cream smooths those pesky lines around my eyes, but also because, with every product I purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates to help women thrive through their Bigger Than Beauty mission that benefits women emerging from homelessness, surviving domestic abuse, fighting cancer, and more. Thrive Cosmetics skincare products are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which is a must for me. I've found myself adding more and more Thrive Cosmetics products to my routine. In addition to the eye-lifting cream, I now have two different colors of their Brilliant Eye Brightener. I've replaced my old eyeshadow with Thrive's Anise-colored Eye Brightener. It's so easy to apply and it lasts all day. What I also love about it is that I can use it as eyeshadow and eyeliner, which makes packing light really easy. There's no need to pack my huge eyeshadow palette anymore. And it gives my eyes such a pop. Now is a great time to try Thrive Cosmetics for yourself. Right now, you can get 15% off your first order when you visit thrivecosmetics.com murderish. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C A U S E M E T I C S dot com slash murderish for 15% off your first order. On October 3, 2018, Chris sent Nicole a frantic text message stating his truck had broken down and he desperately needed a ride. Nicole agreed to help, and soon she arrived in a desolate area where Chris claimed to be stranded. Minutes later, however, a woman named Tony Rocker pulled up in a separate vehicle. Tony was allegedly having an affair with Chris at the time. Tony walked up to Nicole's Saturn, yanked her out of the car, and threw Nicole to the ground. During the struggle, Chris reportedly shoved a rag into Nicole's mouth, then began beating her relentlessly in an attempt to break her neck. Nicole was a fighter, and she managed to survive the brutal ambush, although she was badly injured. Chris and Tony then took Nicole hostage and drove around using her debit card to pay for gas and to get cash. It's unclear what eventually made them let Nicole go, but before they did, Tony held a knife to Nicole's throat and threatened to kill her if she reported the attack. Chris and Tony did not make it hard for law enforcement to catch up with them. According to the Orlando Sentinel, Wild deputies interviewed Nicole about the incident. Detectives found Chris and Tony around the corner from Nicole's apartment. Both of them were immediately arrested. After the savage attack, 31-year-old Tony Rocker was charged with kidnapping, robbery, and aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. However, in April of the following year, a jury acquitted Tony of all charges. Chris Otero Rivera faced the same charges but bargained to get them dismissed, In exchange, he pleaded no contest to the additional charges of hindering a witness's ability to communicate with law enforcement, unlawful possession of a credit or debit card, and battery. After premeditating a brutal attack on Nicole and then taking her hostage, Chris spent just eight months in jail and was released on two years of supervised probation while wearing an ankle monitor. As part of his release, Chris was banned from communicating with Nicole, except through a parenting app. He was also prohibited from possessing any weapons or firearms. Osceola County Sheriff Russ Gibson was incredulous about this outcome, given Chris's violent history. In the state of Florida, domestic battery remains only a misdemeanor, punishable by up to a year in jail. Sheriff Gibson spoke about Chris Otero Rivera to the Orlando Sentinel, saying, this person who already tried to snap Nicole's neck and he took this plea deal, anything domestic violence related should be moved to a felony. While Chris was incarcerated, Nicole took steps to file for divorce. News of the impending divorce soon spread to Angel and then to Chris. Both father and son grew enraged by the prospect of Nicole getting full custody of Elijah. They knew that family court would never rule in favor of Chris due to his extensive criminal past. A formal divorce filing was made in February of 2019, with Chris set to be released on probation by the end of that summer. In the meantime, Chris had to figure out how to avoid losing custody of his son. On the evening of October 21st, 2019, at around 5 p.m., Nicole dropped Elijah off with his father and grandfather at their Hickson Avenue residence. It was a visit Chris and Nicole had agreed upon through the court-approved parenting app. The plan was to have Elijah stay the night, get dropped off at Harmony Community School in the morning by his dad, and Nicole would pick up Elijah at the end of the school day. But after school ended that Tuesday, Nicole never showed up for Elijah. It was completely unlike Nicole to leave her then eight-year-old son stranded. If an emergency had prevented her from coming, she would have notified school officials. One of Nicole's close friends, Felicia Firon, had known Nicole since the fifth grade. She told WFTV Channel 9 News, it's not like her to drop off her son and not pick him back up. He's her world, so that's all she did. Be with him, spend time with him. When Nicole's family heard that she had not picked up Elijah, they knew something was terribly wrong. They contacted St. Cloud Police the next day to report her missing, and soon an investigation was underway for the missing mother. Sheriff Russ Gibson, Deputy James Dacol, and Major Jacob Reese led the investigation. The first step was to track Nicole's cell phone in order to pinpoint her location. Unfortunately, her phone had been shut off, making it untraceable. Using eyewitness accounts, investigators established a timeline of Nicole's whereabouts the day before she disappeared. They were able to verify that on Monday, October 21st, Nicole was spotted at her apartment complex and at Elijah's school. She also reported to work as usual that morning. Nicole's neighbors told detectives they had last seen her leaving with Elijah shortly before 5 p.m. on the 21st. Several witnesses confirmed they never saw her return to her apartment. That information led investigators to the Rivera residence, where Nicole's family knew she was headed that night to drop off her son. Given their extensive criminal backgrounds, local investigators immediately identified the father and son as persons of interest. Upon further investigation, law enforcement learned the Rivera family owned two properties, one on Hickson Avenue and another just a block or two away on Henry J Avenue. When detectives interviewed neighbors, they were informed of one particularly suspicious detail. John Hall Jr., who lived around the corner from Henry J Avenue, recalled seeing an excavator on the property during the week Nicole was reported missing. According to News Channel 8, the neighbor said, the excavator was being operated by one person, and there were other people standing around, though, whatever, it seemed to be a hole. The presence of heavy-duty machinery, typically used for digging large holes or trenches, was also mentioned by a second neighbor. This was a solid lead, which prompted St. Cloud detectives to involve Osceola County law enforcement in the investigation. Detectives compiled a list of several companies in the area that rented out excavators. They soon learned that a company called Rental World had one piece of machinery that was equipped with a GPS system. Investigators were then able to track a recent excavator rental to one of the Rivera's properties. Over the next several days, the two properties were searched extensively. At any given time, up to 20 investigators, paired with police canines, combed over every inch of land. Heavy machinery and water pumps were used to drain a pond on the property, hoping to uncover any potential leads. According to court documents cited by the Orlando Sentinel, at one point, detectives noticed a randomly placed flatbed trailer on the Rivera's Hickson Avenue property. It was covered with foliage and surrounded by fencing. The seemingly random placement of the trailer made investigators curious enough to begin digging in the area underneath the trailer. As they excavated, a foul odor was emitted into the air. For seasoned detectives, it was an unmistakable smell. They knew that the odor was coming from human remains. Over the next few days, additional remains were uncovered. Other items found in the newly excavated area included torn fabric, scraps of wood, cardboard, and black plastic that had a burnt smell. On the Rivera's other property located on Henry J. Avenue, clothing and jewelry were found buried under a mound of scorched branches and ash. Sheriff Gibson held a press conference about the disturbing findings. He said the investigation was far from over and was quoted by Spectrum News as saying, We're going to get everyone involved in this case, everyone. Whatever role you played, however small or insignificant you think it may be, your world is closing in on you. As the search continued, detectives collected DNA samples from Nicole's parents to compare with the human remains found on the Rivera's property. When the DNA results came back, nearly a week had passed since Nicole was reported missing. Confirming law enforcement suspicions and her loved one's worst nightmares, the human remains were identified as Nicole Montalvo. On October 25th, 2019, Chris and Angel were arrested. Once the victim's remains were established to be that of Chris's estranged wife, investigators had legal grounds to charge him with premeditated murder. Angel Rivera was initially charged with abuse of a dead body and failure to report a death. The father and son were held without bond at Osceola County Jail. Five days later, a third arrest was made. Wanda Rivera was arrested and held on $100,000 bond. The 59-year-old was accused of evidence tampering and providing false or misleading statements during questioning. Those close to Nicole were completely horrified by her barbaric death. It seemed like her life had been finally coming together, and this made her death even harder to bear. As the news spread of her tragic death, it became evident just how many lives Nicole had touched. On the evening of October 28, 2019, exactly one week after Nicole was last seen alive, her family held a candlelight vigil. The public memorial ceremony took place at St. Cloud's Lakefront Park, where the Montalvos were joined by more than 200 community members, friends, and Nicole's former co-workers. Nicole's mother, Elaine, expressed her gratitude for the outpouring of support. As quoted by Fox 35 Orlando, she told those who gathered, I can't believe my daughter. She was such a beautiful person, and everyone out here is a testament to that. St. Cloud resident Susan Hot spoke about Nicole's vigil to the Orlando Sentinel, saying, Now her family knows how much she was loved, and how much she's going to be missed, and that people in the community do care. Sheriff Gibson and several other officers attended Nicole's vigil to pay their respects. The Montalvo family were overcome with grief, not just for Nicole's premature death, but for 8-year-old Elijah, who no longer had his loving mother. Nicole's younger sibling, Stephen, told the Orlando Sentinel, The victim in this situation is not just Nicole. The victim is also her son. It's also her family. It's also her community that needs closure, that needs to move forward. And we cannot move forward stuck in this standstill as long as we don't have the people responsible for this crime held accountable and convicted." It was clear though that law enforcement was going to work tirelessly to hold accountable anyone involved in the vicious murder. At the center of this tragedy was the issue of domestic violence and the extremes it can reach without proper intervention. Sheriff Gibson told Fox News, "'We need our prosecutors to take this case seriously. We will be a voice for the voiceless. We will have justice for Nicole.'" In the weeks that followed, new details on the father and son's criminal past emerged in the national media. More specifically, Chris's history of abusive behavior toward his late wife was exposed. An unsettled public struggled to comprehend why Nicole was not protected after repeat offenses were committed during the course of their marriage. In an exclusive interview with Fox News, Sheriff Gibson said, "'I'm so angry at what these people have done to this sweet woman, at a time in her life when she felt as though she had finally broken free and was so happy to have made her first month's rent.'" Many times, victims of domestic violence don't know how to break free, but she was out there on her own getting it done. Now she is dead. Sheriff Gibson added that the discovery of Nicole Montavo's dismembered remains was probably the most gruesome murder scene that I have seen in my 32 years. Major Jacob Reese also conveyed how upsetting he found the crime. He told People.com, She was working two jobs and was happy to move forward with life. And this guy wasn't letting her go. He couldn't let her move on with life. That weekend before she disappeared, she had just paid her rent, had got a new apartment with her son. Reese went on to discuss the impact Nicole's murder had on the community, saying it has opened their eyes about how dangerous domestic violence is. He was on house arrest and probation for a domestic violence incident that occurred last year. It is sad. Nicole's twin brother, Eddie, recognized why his sister's brutal murder might resonate with others impacted by domestic violence. He addressed them in an interview with Fox 35 Orlando by saying, We will be there to protect you. Love should not hurt. One of the ways the Montalvos coped with their loss was to focus on the larger issue. Through their immense grief, Nicole's family raised awareness about domestic violence in order to prevent this from happening to other people. Meanwhile, Osceola County prosecutors continued gathering evidence to strengthen their case against Angel, Wanda, and Chris. Then, in early January of 2020, Angel Rivera was released after posting bond, which a judge had reduced by nearly half. Wanda Rivera was also released on bail. Later that month, a public records request to the state's attorney's office led to the release of a 1,000-page report. The document included jailhouse letters written by Angel Rivera that offered unique insight into his potential involvement in the horrendous crime. Don't get me wrong, I love a good meal kit delivery service, but sometimes I don't even want to spend the 30 minutes cooking and cleaning up. With Factor, I get clean, already prepared meals delivered right to my door. And they are always fresh, never frozen. Mornings at my house are always crazy, and it's a mad dash to get out the door. Factor is a lifesaver because I can just grab one of their meals out of the fridge and microwave it at work for lunch. I've saved so much money doing this because before Factor, I would just grab fast food for lunch. Recently, I had Factor's jalapeno burger for lunch, and it was so good. With over 29 meal options each week, I never get bored with Factor meals. And of course, everyone is following a different diet these days, so Factor offers options like keto, vegan, veggie, and low-calorie meals. They also have plant-based bars, energy bites, smoothies, cold-pressed juices, and more. Factor caters to people who are on the run each day, but still want to eat clean. Head to go.factor75.com murderish120 and use code murderish120 to get $120 off. That's code murderish120 at go.factor75.com murderish120 for $120 off. Hair care needs are different for everyone, and what you find in stores isn't always the best solution. Pros is a personalized hair care product that's formulated based on your unique needs. On the Pros website, I took an in depth quiz that asked me questions like my age, my zip code, my physical activity level, and more. Based on my answers, Pros recommended a hair care product lineup that will support my hair in a way that off the shelf products won't. My Pros hair care products are made with natural ingredients that will nurture my hair. And the icing on the cake is that my Prose shampoo and conditioner smells so good. It's like perfume for my hair, but not the overwhelming smack you in the face kind of perfume. Today, I used my Prose custom dry shampoo and it took my roots from shiny to flat and it lasted all day long. And I didn't expect the added bonus of added volume I got from it. Who doesn't love a twofer? If you're concerned about the ingredients you put in your hair, Pros has already got you covered because all of their ingredients are sustainably sourced and cruelty-free. Pros is the healthy hair regimen with your name all over it. Take your free in-depth hair consultation and get 15% off your first order today. Go to pros.com murderish, that's P-R-O-S-E dot murderish for your free in-depth hair consultation and 15% off. According to Spectrum News 13, Angel wrote a letter to his wife from jail. In it, he wrote, Chris will have to do some time, and if everything turns out right, we are going away for a nice long weekend. While the investigation pressed on, two key players became embroiled in political turmoil. State Attorney Aramis Ayala and Osceola County Sheriff Russ Gibson engaged in a very public discord. It began in January of 2020 when Ayala petitioned for the investigation to be reassigned to her office. She alleged the suspect's arrest had been premature and there wasn't enough evidence to press charges for murder. Click Orlando reported that Ayala publicly accused Sheriff Gibson of rushing to identify suspects to garner support for his upcoming reelection. She added that his actions may have jeopardized the entire investigation. According to Fox News, Florida Attorney General Ashley Moody wrote a letter to Governor Ron DeSantis alerting him to the dramatic conflict. Sheriff Gibson then wrote his own letter to the governor in response, accusing Ayala and her office of being uncooperative. WESH News quoted Sheriff Gibson's letter, which read, Her staff was directed not to assist my detectives in obtaining evidence from the suspect's phones nor in obtaining testimony from a key witness. Ayala denied these claims. Gibson had also publicly stated he considered the case eligible for the death penalty. Ayala has a reputation for being fervently opposed to capital punishment. These very public conflicting political agendas prompted the governor to reassign Nicole Montalvo's case to state attorney Brad King. All of the corroborating evidence was released to his office, which included hundreds of files containing crime scene photos, screenshots of text messages, and additional testimony. Originally, the trial date for both Angel and Chris was set for August of 2020. Due to the COVID-19 pandemic, it was postponed several times. This gave prosecutors more time to tie up any loose ends in their investigation. As it turned out, they didn't have to probe too deeply. Some of the most incriminating testimony would come from one of the alleged killer's former cellmates. Shortly after the first trial delay was announced, a jailhouse informant named Dustin Gonzalez came forward. He told prosecutors he had met Chris Otero Rivera in 2018, while Chris was jailed for the kidnapping and battery charges from the crime he committed with Tony Rocker. At the time he was jailed for that crime against Nicole, Chris promised his cellmate Dustin that he would get his father to post bond for Gonzalez's release. In exchange, Gonzalez had to indulge Chris's plot against his estranged wife. The alleged plan was to have Gonzalez plant drugs in Nicole's car and report her to police so she would lose custody of Elijah. But once Angel posted bail, Gonzalez learned the father and son had far more sinister intentions for Nicole. As reported by WFTV News, Gonzalez said to authorities, "'At the time, he asked me if I could just make her disappear. I said, "'Excuse me?'' And from there he says, well, you know, it would be easier if she just didn't come to court, period, wouldn't it?" And I said, bro, I'm not in that line of work." Despite apparently being offered a large sum of money, Gonzalez said he refused to kill an innocent woman. This alleged conversation had occurred nearly a year before Nicole's death. This new information from Dustin Gonzalez made a premeditated murder conviction that much more seamless for prosecutors. The charges against Angel and Chris were then upgraded to second-degree murder. Wanda Rivera, however, would never see a day at trial. Her charges were dismissed merely a month before the case was set for trial. After reviewing cell phone records, there was reasonable doubt cast on her involvement in the crime. Chris and his father's trial began on April 13, 2021, at Osceola Circuit Court in Kissimmee, with Judge Keith A. Karsten presiding. Although Chris and Angel were tried together, both defendants had their own attorneys. In opening statements, Chris's attorney Kim Leseur insisted the state's evidence was largely circumstantial and she directed most of the blame at the patriarch of the family. Her approach throughout the trial seemed to involve throwing Angel Rivera under the bus to diminish Chris's culpability. According to Click Orlando, Lassure stated that Angel was questionably the boss of the Rivera family. He controlled things. He manipulated things. Everybody was afraid of Angel Rivera. That includes his wife and his two sons. Lassure honed in on Angel's anger. She said he viewed his grandson as a possession. And Nicole's refusal to let him see Elijah for family gatherings made him so furious he never forgot what she did. Angel Rivera's attorney, Frank Bankowitz, opted not to make any opening statements or even respond to Lassier's undeviating accusations. Prosecutors focused on the abundance of evidence in the case. As reported in the Orlando Sentinel, Assistant State Attorney Ryan Williams explained to the jury that although they would not be able to say how Nicole died, they would be able to demonstrate who killed her and why. And they would do so through what the prosecution referred to as overwhelming evidence." According to the Osceola News-Gazette, Williams added that after Nicole was reported missing, the defendants spent the next two days cutting up her body, burning it, and burying it, and then later tried to deceive and mislead law enforcement about what they had done. Witnesses for the prosecution were called to testify in the early days of the trial, Crystal Bunn, Elijah's teacher at the time his mother went missing, said Nicole never turned up for a parent-teacher conference. That day, Angel Rivera picked up Elijah, which seemed odd to her. Bunn said that on the day that Angel picked up Elijah, she asked the boy's grandfather about Nicole's whereabouts. As reported by Click Orlando, Bunn testified that Angel said to her that he wasn't sure where she was, he had felt like she was having interactions with other men that she could be out with one of them, that she hasn't been home in a while. Angel's comments to Bun made her immediately suspicious, as she knew Nicole was deeply devoted to her son's well-being. Spectrum 13 News quoted her as saying, she would give him the sun, the moon, and the stars, and then some if she could. This was a common thread from multiple witnesses who took the stand. They sang Nicole's praises as an attentive and adoring mother. Friends and co-workers reiterated that she never would have left Elijah behind. The jury heard a recorded interview between Angel Rivera and Deputy James Dacol that took place two days after Nicole's disappearance. During the recorded interview, Angel showed the detective a text message he claimed to have received from Nicole. According to Osceola News Gazette, the text message read, "'I'm really sorry about everything. I should have listened to you. I made a bad mistake. I need you and Wanda to take care of Elijah for a few days until I get things figured out. Several of Nicole's friends confirmed that she had not mentioned anything about leaving town. When Elaine Montalvo was shown the text message, she knew it was not written by her daughter. Elaine was adamant that Nicole never typed in complete sentences and often had incorrect spellings in her text messages. As documented by WFTV, Elaine testified, I told them there was no way Nicole would have texted that. Then I showed them the way she would text me." Prosecutors theorized that the text message was sent by Angel Rivera from Nicole's phone to his own in an attempt to cover up the murder. At one point, Nicholas Rivera took the stand to testify against his brother and father. In the early days of Nicole's disappearance, Nicholas had been deemed a person of interest which prompted an examination of his cell phone and computer activity, which opened up a whole new can of worms. Based on what was found on Nicholas's cell phone and computer, law enforcement charged him with possession of child pornography. After that discovery, Nicholas was obligated to testify at his brother and father's trial as part of a plea deal granting him a more lenient sentence of ten years. Nicholas had been living with his parents at the time his sister-in-law went missing. He testified about being jolted awake in the middle of the night by the sound of a garden hose. He got out of bed and moved toward the noise, and then, according to WESH News, he said, "'I remember seeing my father. I believe he was washing something.'" Prosecutors were able to confirm later that Angel had been rinsing off a pushcart that contained Nicole's DNA. At the time of Nicole's disappearance, Chris was wearing a GPS-equipped ankle monitor due to his previous conviction. This allowed investigators to ping his location, and Chris was confirmed to be in the same locations where remains were later uncovered. Around halfway through the trial, there was an issue that needed to be resolved. One of the jury members could not stay awake, even after the judge made repeated attempts to wake the man, including using white noise and taking extra breaks nothing seemed to work and ultimately, the juror had to be dismissed. During the trial's second week, forensic evidence and graphic crime scene photos were exhibited to the jury. Experts described the painstaking efforts allegedly taken by Nicole's killers to get away with their grisly crime. After viewing the disturbing photos, the Montalvo family learned the extent of Nicole's suffering. Former Osceola County medical examiner Jennifer Nara testified that while she had performed autopsies on dismembered remains throughout her 15-year career, she had never seen any as extensively mutilated as those of Nicole Montalvo. As reported by the Orlando Sentinel, when speaking of the skeletal remains, Nara said, "...there are a lot of small, little fragments of them, almost like the bones had been put through a wood chipper." Most of the remains she received were severely charred. She speculated the incineration happened after the victim was deceased, though the condition of the remains made it impossible to say. There also wasn't a lot to work with to determine a cause of death. According to the Orlando Sentinel, Nara ruled Nicole's death was caused by homicidal violence by unspecified means. To identify the broken, burnt bone fragments, she recruited the help of Dr. John Schultz, a forensic anthropologist from the University of Florida. Although a murder weapon was never found, Dr. Schultz believed a power tool had to be involved, because the bones were severed so smoothly. As reported in the Orlando Sentinel, in the doctor's opinion, the intentional dismemberment was achieved by hacking, cutting, and physically breaking bones. According to WESH News, he testified, it seemed as though the body was separated in specific areas and then further broken down into pieces. In case there were any lingering doubts about Nicole's murder being premeditated, the prosecution called Chris's cellmate, Dustin Gonzalez, to testify about the alleged murder-for-hire plot. And then, a second jailhouse connection testified against Chris. Podmate Johnny Medina Jr. said that when he met Chris in October of 2018, he occasionally mentioned wanting to hurt his wife. Medina said when Chris heard Nicole intended to file for divorce, the talk of killing her increased. According to the Orlando Sentinel, Medina said on the stand, I just remember something about a ping pong ball with some fluid in regards to putting it in the gas tank and that would blow up the car. Something about lime juice to decompose a dead body. As the trial drew to a close, no witnesses were called in defense of Angel Rivera, and only one witness was asked to testify by Chris's attorney, and that was his own mother, Wanda. Once again, the strategy was to pin most of the blame onto Angel. According to the Osceola News-Gazette, on the witness stand, Wanda Rivera was asked about Nicole's driver's license being found inside of her husband's dresser. She was asked if anyone else had access to that dresser. Wanda said no and added that she had not known anything about the murder and that she and her late daughter-in-law had a close friendship. In closing remarks, Angel Rivera's defense attorney, Frank Bankowitz, at long last responded to the blame placed on his client. He argued that Chris had more to gain with his estranged wife's death than Angel did. As quoted by the Orlando Sentinel, Benkowitz stated, Christopher Otero-Rivera stood to gain substantially because he's the father of the child. If she's dead, he gets custody all to himself. One of Chris's attorneys, Magdalia Perez, responded by arguing that all evidence pointed to Angel. According to the Orlando Sentinel, she told jurors, Mr. Otero-Rivera is not guilty. You know what he's guilty of? Being gullible, vulnerable, and manipulated by the master of the house. After a little over two weeks of trial testimony, the prosecution rested their case by painting a picture of Nicole Montalvo on the day her life was taken. As quoted by the Orlando Sentinel, Ryan Williams said, As she drove out to the Rivera residence with the love of her life, her son Elijah, the day seemed bright. She didn't know that the drive would result in her mangled and mutilated body ending up there. It was a heart-wrenching sentiment the jury undoubtedly carried with them as they entered into deliberations. If you're like me, you have unwanted subscriptions you're paying for. With the Truebill app, you can identify unwanted subscriptions and cancel them. And Truebill does all of the heavy lifting. Companies make subscriptions hard to cancel for a reason — to keep lining their pockets. People save an average of $720 per year with Truebill. Think about what you could do with that money rather than letting it go to waste. For me, $720 means more date nights with my husband at our favorite restaurant. All you have to do to start saving money is link your accounts in the app and let Truebill go to work canceling unwanted subscriptions. With one tap, you could be on your way to saving hundreds of dollars each year. Over 2 million people have used Truebill to save them over $100 million. That's a lot of dough and a lot of companies getting rich off of our forgetfulness. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash murderish. Go right now, Truebill.com slash murderish. It could save you thousands a year. Truebill.com slash murderish. As I sit in the carpool line at my daughter's school, I feverishly conquer levels on Best Fiends. It's a really fun mobile puzzle game that I cannot put down. It's become one of my favorite parts of the day, because I can play Best Fiends without any interruption, and it also lets me escape momentarily from the hustle and bustle. Last week I surpassed level 1800, and I wouldn't say it was easy, but that's part of the appeal. My brain actually has to work in order to advance in the game. And it's not like that brain fog you get from doom scrolling on social media. Best Fiends is free to download, and you will fall in love with all of the unique fiends you can collect. And you're going to need these cute fiends in order to defeat the slugs. Best Fiends is constantly being updated with new events and challenges, so the game stays fresh and fun. Download your new favorite getaway, Best Fiends, for free today on the App Store or Google Play. You'll even get $5 worth of in-game rewards when you reach level five. That's friends without the R, best fiends. Businesses of all sizes need the right tools to help them be successful. Online sellers especially need a solid online platform that allows them to sell everywhere, synchronize all types of sales, and stay up to date on all of the key financial metrics. Shopify makes scaling your upstart small business or large and established business easier by allowing you to reach customers online and across social networks. These days, businesses almost have to be present on networks like Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Pinterest. And Shopify makes all of that and more possible. Not to mention, you'll get access to important reports to track your business's profitability, conversion rates, and more. Shopify is an all-in-one tool to connect with customers, manage your business, and drive sales. Go to shopify.com murderish all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com murderish right now. Shopify.com murderish. On April 21st, 2021, after just 90 minutes of reviewing the evidence, the six-member jury returned with a verdict. They found Christopher Otero Rivera and Angel Rivera guilty on all counts. It was a bittersweet victory for the Montalvo family, who knew that nothing would bring Nicole back. The sentencing hearing took place three months after the verdict on July 21, 2021. It was an emotional day for Nicole's loved ones, who sat through sentencing arguments before delivering heartfelt victim impact statements. Chris's attorney requested a more lenient sentence since there was no evidence indicating whether the father or son had murdered the victim. Prosecutor Ryan Williams, on the other hand, recommended a life sentence without parole. As cited by WESH News, in addressing Judge Karsten, Williams begged the question, if this crime doesn't deserve a life sentence, what does? All three of Nicole's siblings gave tearful statements. According to Fox News, her sister Christina called the grieving process never-ending and said, "...it physically pains me to say my sister was murdered by her estranged husband and his father." Fox News reported that Nicole's younger brother, Stephen said he felt a sense of terror and loss for words. A little piece of us died that day with Nicole, and we feel it every single day. Nicole's brother Eddie focused on the widespread impact of domestic abuse and how Nicole's family had begged her to leave Chris. As reported by WESH News, he described the years his mother spent sobbing over her daughter's relationship, only for Nicole to be butchered and discarded like she never mattered. Before handing down sentences for Angel and Chris, according to Fox News, Judge Karsten proclaimed, I cannot ignore the brutality of your efforts to cover up that crime or the pain it brought the family of Nicole Montalvo. Both men were given life sentences without the possibility of parole for second-degree murder, 15 years for dismembering a human body, and five years for tampering with evidence. Neither man would ever see another day of freedom for what they'd done to Nicole Montalvo. On September 23, 2021, only two months after receiving a life sentence, Angel Rivera died in prison at age 66. According to the Osceola News-Gazette, He died due to complications from COVID-19. With the painful trial behind them, the Montalvos were able to focus on honoring Nicole's memory. Several projects have been developed in her honor that no doubt would have made her proud. In late 2019, Nicole's friend Tamara Green created a petition at Change.org that's been signed by over 36,000 people. The petition pushes for legislation they've named the Nicole Montalvo Law, which would upgrade domestic violence from a misdemeanor to a felony in the state of Florida. As Tamara wrote on the website, Nicole would be alive today if a law with more serious consequences were in effect. This law will help to protect all other future potential victims out there, and Nicole's death would not be in vain. If Chris Otero Rivera's punishment for the beating, kidnapping, and robbery committed against Nicole had not been so lenient, it's very possible that Nicole Montalvo would be alive today. An update posted in early 2020 shared that Senator Victor Torres Jr. was working on filing an amendment through the Criminal Justice Committee. There have been no further updates, but the likelihood that this petition could enact much needed change seems promising. Nicole Montalvo may be gone, but she is most certainly not forgotten. On October 20th of 2021, a mural in her honor was unveiled in downtown Kissimmee. The mural, which was painted on a wall outside of Broadway Pizza Bar where Nicole worked, was funded by Help Now of Osceola County, which provides assistance to victims of domestic violence. Artist Jules Ross painted purple butterflies, a color that has come to represent domestic violence awareness. Lyrics from Nicole's favorite song, The Fight Song, adorn the butterfly's wings as they flutter toward the sky, reminding anyone who sees it that Nicole's legacy lives on. The Montalvos have also established the Nicole Montalvo Foundation. According to their Facebook page, our goal is to help educate young teens and adults, help raise awareness, and raise funds for victims and survivors and their families of domestic violence. Nicole's essence continues to shine brilliantly through her son, Elijah. In late 2019, following Nicole's disappearance, her sister-in-law, Celestine, set up a GoFundMe page. On the page, she wrote, "...we are establishing this site with the heaviest of hearts and only as a response to the tremendous outpouring of support we have received." We are committed to ensuring Elijah is raised in a loving, empathetic, and compassionate environment and is given every opportunity to succeed. Any funds donated will be managed directly by the Montalvo family and will focus on Elijah's immediate and future needs, including legal, medical, and educational support. To date, over $26,000 has been donated in support of Elijah. Nicole's brother Stephen knows that this overwhelming contribution would make his late sister very happy. After the trial's conclusion, Stephen told News Channel 8, "...we promised her we'd get justice for her, and we'd raise Elijah in a safe, healthy, and happy environment. He's been such an incredible kid these last 18 months, our parents have done an amazing job." With Elijah in safe hands and shielded from violence, Maybe now Nicole Montalvo can finally rest in peace. If you or anyone you know are suffering from any form of domestic abuse, help is available by contacting the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE or 1-800-799-7233. Hotline.org is also available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If you'd like to support the Montalvo family, There's a link to their GoFundMe page in the episode notes. I appreciate you for joining me on another episode of Murderish. If you've binged every episode of Murderish and you don't want to wait for the next one to drop, consider becoming a Patreon supporter. As soon as you sign up to become a Murderish Patreon supporter, you get immediate access to a bunch of ad-free episodes that cover cases not available on the free version of the podcast. Recently, I've also started doing Zoom meetings for Patreon supporters, and it's been so much fun. We get to meet each other and talk about everything under the sun, true crime related or not. To become a Murderish Patreon supporter, visit Murderish.com and click the link to go behind the scenes or just go to patreon.com and search for Murderish there. I want to say a huge thank you to Molly D., Amy D., Angelina, Rayuri W., Danielle C., Kate, and Julianne for supporting the podcast through Patreon. I appreciate you all so much. CrimeCon is less than a month away, you guys, and it's all happening in Las Vegas this year, and tons of true crime podcasters will be there on Podcast Row. I'll be there, and I'm really hoping to meet as many of you as possible. If you're attending CrimeCon, use my code MURDERISH for 10% off a standard badge. That's code MURDERISH for 10% off. If you're on the fence about attending CrimeCon, I can tell you from experience that it's such a fun and worthwhile event. Head over to CrimeCon.com and use code MURDERISH for 10% off a standard badge. If you enjoy Murderish, there are so many ways you can support the show. Tell your friends about the podcast. Purchase items from brands who sponsor the show using my unique promo code. Or you can wear Murderish merch while you're out and about. And trust me, it's a great conversation starter. Check out Murderish.com for a link to buy t-shirts, bags, coffee mugs, and more. Another way to support the podcast is by leaving the show a positive rating and review in any podcast app. This helps other people find the show easier. Also, follow Murderish on Instagram and TikTok at Murderish Podcast. You can also find the podcast on Twitter and Facebook. Murderish sound design and audio editing is by Justin Hellstrom. Some of the music was composed by Nico of We Talk of Dreams. This episode was researched and written by Allison Schwartz. Visit Murderish.com to see a list of sources used for this episode. As always, ishers, thank you for joining me on another episode of Murderish. And remember, listening to this podcast doesn't make you a murderer. It just means you're murder-ish.